0: Your Funeral Strategy, episode number one.
1: We rely on the team to constantly put forward ideas and suggestions, and we try to implement them. We try to listen to what everybody has to say, and we have a little statement in-house that says the knowledge of the many is greater than that of the one.
0: Welcome to Your Funeral Strategy. I'm Tyler Fraser.
2: And I'm Mike Hepper.
0: This is our first show and we're very excited to start things off with a new podcast, Your Funeral Strategy. Today we have a special guest. His name is Brian Parent. He's the owner of Family's First Funeral Home. Welcome to the show, Brian.
1: Morning. Thank you.
0: Brian, in your community recently, the CBC uh, placed a hidden camera in uh, some families that visited uh, local funeral homes, and uh, the result of this footage uh, was uh, quite a bit of um, backlash from the community.
1: Yes, uh, the uh, marketplace uh, did uh, place hidden cameras and went into a number of funeral homes, not just in our area, but throughout Ontario. Uh, I believe they also went into a number of uh, other funeral homes, family owned and operated, and uh, chose not to share that, that footage. Uh, I'm not sure why, except that maybe there was really nothing there to be seen.
2: Uh,
1: And it did appear that they focused their video on uh, a particular group of funeral homes. But uh, I, and I think that unfortunately maybe hit some of the, uh, Uh, The staff members that had uh, uh, less ability to be able to explain their positions and why they had their positions because I think there maybe some of the explanations were not accurate. Let me help explain what that is Uh, you know uh, first of all there was uh, a lot of time spent with uh, the uh, whether the body should be viewed or had to be required to be reviewed and in in my understanding it would have been better if the staff members explained the value of being able to see and believe and know that we have the right person in our uh, in our care uh, as as opposed to to requiring it because the company requires it i, I think that uh, really it should be required in almost every situation but there are families that don't wish to do it and they shouldn't be required to but we also should be telling them the value of being able to see their mother or father in our care prior to cremation or even burial.
2: Mm. But why do you feel that that's
1: important, Brad? Well, I think it's important that that families have an opportunity uh, to say goodbye in in an appropriate setting. I think Alan Wolfelt said it best uh, at a conference that I was at recently, and he said, you first need to say hello before you can say goodbye. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to be able to, uh, to be with a person in, in a hospital setting and the death occurs and 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 leaving their loved one behind it, it's still the place where they cared for them while they were alive and and at the funeral home certainly uh, there's there's confirmation and and I think that's the biggest mistake that we make in funeral services that we often use the word closure you, we well, you really need to see your dad to get closure well Really, I I don't think anyone gets closure when they see their father after they've died. I know for my own self, my father died nine years ago. I I never did get closure. My uh, my closure comes over uh, after years of of helping my mother get through her grief. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think what I did get immediately is confirmation and, and the belief that, yes, he did die. Now that he is here in the casket in this building, my brain can no longer say that, well, you know, he's okay, and maybe we're just treating him. It's confirmation that the death has occurred. It's confirmation that the funeral home has my father properly in their care. And if this is the last time I'm going to see them, at least I have faith knowing that they picked up the right person at the hospital, that the hospital marked the person properly, and that the person that is in the care of the funeral home is actually my father and going to be cared for properly. And, and, and therefore the, the right body that's, that's going to be cremated and, the, and, and that everything is being done pro- appropriately.
2: <laughs> now with that all being said, I mean, one of the biggest challenges I think funeral home space is the line item of a cost associated to that. Um what what challenges have you faced at Families First and how did you overcome that? You know, it's easy to say, hey, you know what well, we've got a we've got dad and, and he's in our care and, and we you know, here's an, a service we provide and, and most funerals, if not all, do charge a little extra for that for that service. Um how did you overcome that?
1: Well, we we overcame it in two ways. One, o- opening a low cost alternative that that supplied direct cremation services, no viewing, no visitation, uh, and and therefore then we were in a position to be able to explain to families, look, here's exactly what you get when you don't when you, when you don't want to purchase any services, uh, but over here, uh, when we take your mother in, into our care, your mother's always coming into our funeral home. Uh, she's going to be dressed appropriately and respectfully prior to the cremation if you choose to have no services whatsoever. Even if you choose not to see her whatsoever, uh, she's going to be cared for properly, uh, dressed as a matter of respect, placed in the casket appropriately, Place any other valuables or personal items that you want to be with that person, whether it be a blanket or just a little note from one of the kids, uh, that all of that stuff is then going to, to happen in an appropriate manner. Um, and uh, if if we're using the transfer service, oftentimes the loved one is staying at the place of death until the cremation arrangements are made and all the contracts are signed, and then we go right to the place of death, uh, remove the deceased, and take them right to the crematorium. (laughs) <laughs> so that's obviously less money for the consumer, but the, when the consumer sees that we're bringing the person into our care, we're mm-hmm. caring for the, for the for the deceased properly. We're actually meeting with the family instead of them just putting all the information online. Uh, we're we're helping them with estate benefits. We're helping them with notifications to insurances, notifications to employers. Uh, mm-hmm. as the list goes on and on in terms of doing Canada pension, life, mm-hmm. Dennis death benefit applications, returning health cards, social insurance cards. Those are, are additional services that families need help with, and they're more than willing to pay the extra services if they know what they're getting for it. So its I think it's important today not just to say, well, I'm a funeral home, and therefore I'm going to do a better job. I think it's important to say what what it is that we are doing better, not yeah. just that I do a better job. But what are you doing better and what are you doing for all of those services? We're no longer in the business of selling a product or a casket. It's an end result of uh, their choice of disposition. But we have to price our services appropriately to be profitable. And families don't mind paying for good service. Mm -hmm. They don't mind. They love to pay for great service. Yeah. Therefore, we should we should be providing great service all the time and pro- charging an appropriate price so that we can remain profitable and remain in business.
0: Brian, I think that that's one of the real challenges that funeral directors have and really the essence of a talk of a lifetime down here in the States, that initiative. Can you kind of expand on some of the ways that you've been able to communicate to consumers the importance of having a healthy and complete funeral with with all the services you provide?
1: Well, and for the most part, that's one family at a time. Uh, We also, we do run community seminars uh, with Alan Wolfelt, and uh, we traditionally get anywhere from about 700 to 1,000 people out. We run those every 16 months and their bereavement seminars, but he also talks about the value of a funeral during those times. Uh, we carry a lot of literature on our website in, 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 in the funeral home on talking about the value of the funeral home. And we also embrace talk of a lifetime cards. We, I think they're a great uh, opportunity. Uh, we, uh, we actually have a community group meeting uh, just later this month Uh, to sit down and and give us more suggestions as to ways in which they can be used. Um, Our area hospice is is online with it, they love the idea. Uh, Many of the nursing agencies are also looking at it and and trying to use it for ways to help to uh, expand uh, what they're already doing with patients and uh, with patient families. Uh, so the talk of a lifetime is a great way to get people to talk about the value of life. I think when kids start to understand why mom or dad valued certain things, then those values will follow into the funeral. And then a great example of that is them understanding why mom or dad value uh, their church and their religion. Uh, today, more and more, uh, certainly uh, y- children of uh, parents who've been very faithful are not faithful whatsoever and therefore they're not practicing or they may not be practicing their faith and they may not necessarily see a value in terms of of having a service at the church, but if they've had an extended conversation with the children uh, through the talk of a lifetime cards, then they might be saying, wow, you know what? I remember Mom talking about how important the church was to her and what it meant to her and Dad and what it meant to us as a family when we were younger and we're going to honor Mom's faith and we're going to have that church funeral. So there's, there's a lot of value in those cards, and there's a lot of value in everything that we do, and we can't remain silent and just sit back in our communities and hope people will have a funeral just because we say it's valuable. We have to teach and train and show people why it's valuable and how it's valuable. One of, one of the areas on, on the value of a funeral that, that I think where, where many people are lacking, and I, and I see a good push going on, certainly throughout North America, uh, but it's gone on in Australia for years, is those who are not faithful. And, you know, simply deciding that there's no reason to have a funeral just because people have no faith doesn't make any sense to me at all. We we spend a lot of time uh, uh, making sure that our celebrants are trained really well and understand how to talk about the value of a funeral, uh, whether there's religion or not religion.
2: Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing with with the use of a, a celebrant is it becomes even much more personable um, than a traditional uh, funeral service. Um, celebrant services are uh, celebrant services are by far
1: more personable. Uh, the only time that they're not is is that when there's there's good value put into uh, the family doing some life uh, celebration efforts either before or after the funeral or if you have clergy that really know the family i mean there are clergy out there who know the deceased very well and they do a wonderful job celebrating mm-hmm. their life during the course of a mass or a funeral service in a church whether it be anglican catholic protestant wherever uh mm-hmm. So, but where there's not a connection and where there, the clergy may have changed and, and unfortunately in, in some churches they just automatically change the clergy every four or five years. And that's very difficult to be able to give a personal service. So you need, you need something and whether that's done maybe during a, a prayer service the night before or just prior to a service beginning where there is some celebration of that person's life and, and personal sharing. I, I think that's vitally important in all services today.
0: Brian, if you would just kind of expand a little bit on how you train your staff and your celebrants to properly communicate the value of a funeral. Do they go to conferences? Do you have in-house training?
1: We we have in-house training. Uh, we've we've actually did the, the actual celebrant training that, that is available uh, that, that many people have taken. Uh, there's been a number of us take that. Uh, if we bring somebody in who has not taken that kind of training, uh then there's somebody who's who has uh a, a lot of experience in public speaking and and understands to how to uh capitalize a person's life both in a funny and a serious way uh so it's it it's not an it's not an easy answer uh i mean because most times the celebrants aren't necessarily the ones explaining the value of what they do it's normally a funeral director and what happens then is is that certainly at the opening, I mean, and I think most funeral directors in North America today, I would hope, you know, one of their first questions to a family is, you know, please, I, I want to personalize things. Tell me, uh, you know, tell me about your dad. And uh, when the family start to talk and discuss and share uh, feelings about the loved one, then those are points the funeral director uses later on to say, okay, well, you know what you talked about. How important it was when your dad was uh, in uh, Scouts, and how he he helped this uh, charitable organization over here, and how he was in, in, in involved with Qantas for for many many years, and he did children's camps. And you know, I think it would be nice if we talked about each of these things during the service because people from each of these areas are going to be there. So not only should we be when we celebrate a person's life, not only talking about the family members and his connections to them. Well, we should talk about his connections to these organizations or, or her connections to these organizations and why they were important to that person. And in, in doing that, it helps everybody who's at the service go, wow, that was really great because he just touched my heart because I didn't know that anyone knew how important it was uh, for this. Uh, and maybe it was a small charitable organization that provided uh, a home for uh, the homeless, or you know, maybe it was for unwed mothers or things like that, and and that is being talked about during the service and, and why this person was dedicated to helping that type of an organization. And everybody has examples. They don't have to just be charitable work, but everybody has examples of how they've touched people's lives over the years. And, and those things ought to be shared in, in a tactful way. I don't mean in, in a service that takes an hour and a half, but I have to tell you that, I've been at 15-minute funerals, and they seem like they're an hour and a half, and I've been at hour and a half funerals where they seem like they're 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see more hour and a half funerals that feel like 15 minutes mm-hmm. than than more 15-minute funerals that feel like an hour and a half.
0: We actually have a show, Make Ceremony Matter More, on Funeral Radio um, with Cindy Neely-Spence of the Celebrant Foundation uh, Institute and Foundation. And I think I'm actually going to uh, get certified with them this year, so I'm definitely looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, you should. It's it's very worthwhile. It's a great program.
0: So can you tell us more about your operation and efforts in Canada? Um, you know, if people wanted to get in touch with you, where would they contact you? uh
1: Families first Funeral home and tribute center we're online dot uh, familiesfirst.ca uh there's certainly an ability to ask us questions or drop it in and see us we've had lots of people just drop in and just want to walk through our funeral homes and see what we're doing and why we're doing it our our secret isn't isn't so much uh about what we're doing but it's more about how we're doing it and uh, how we're doing it is is really not relying on me uh, we have a team of more than 60 people and we rely on the team to constantly put forward ideas and suggestions. And we try to implement them. We try to listen to what everybody has to say. And we have a little statement in-house says, the knowledge of the many is greater than that of the one. So it, it takes me out of the driving picture and just more puts me in the picture of saying, okay, guys, where do you want to go, and, and let's all talk about it. And, you know, one of you may have an idea, another may have an idea, and between four or five of us now we've got an idea that's different than what anybody else even thought of. And we've we've come up with something that, that works well and, and serves our family well. It also gives our, our team members the ability to know, you know, when a family wants something special, to know that there really is no stop, let's just do what we have to do to accomplish things for them.
2: Mm-hmm. You've just actually nailed pretty much the entire uh, mandate of, of what this podcast is all about is that every funeral home is facing the same challenges, but yet they feel like they're doing it themselves. And you're taking, you know, I can just see a uh, a mom and pop funeral you know, going. Yeah, Brian, that's great. You, you've got 60 people to help you, you know, come up with different ideas. We're by ourselves, and I think if you know funeral service associations are utilized properly with roundtables and and you know listening to types of podcasts like this and even just talking to other funeral. Homeowners within their within their communities groups, then they can come up with uh, with ideas not just by themselves but with other people. Um, it, it's, it's a great office. point. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's a great
1: point. NFDA ran roundtables a number of years ago, which we took part in, and uh, they were an integral part of our growth. Uh, I've since gone on to organize roundtables in Ontario. Uh, with some of my colleagues and we still continue them to this day although we we probably don't meet as often as we used to uh because we really mind each other out and now it's like a one year thing uh but you, you know it it's you don't you're not alone because you're you're you know a one location three four employee type person you need to get together with like-minded funeral directors and uh who are in similar situations or you know, maybe just a little bit larger than you that don't mind sharing their ideas and thoughts and resources with you. I, I mean, we we run our own in-house graphics team. It's probably the best financial decision we ever made. Uh, yet it's a it's a huge financial commitment. But our in-house graphics team allows us to have such flexibility. It's unbelievable.
0: Well, Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to review this very important topic about communicating value to the families and also sharing your experience in this recent event that occurred in your community. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening to Your Funeral Strategy. Till next time.